Well, good morning, friends. It is uh, good to be with you this morning. I don't know who, who it is that started the trend, but, but talking about uh, an extra hour, right, with the daylight savings time, I, I don't know if that happened for you or not, but for me it was the opposite, right? I stayed up an extra hour because I knew that I gained one, and then the kids got up an hour early, so I lost two hours. <laughs> this gain an hour business. Not at all. But whatever condition you find yourself in this morning, well-rested or in need of some rest, we're glad that you're here. Especially if it's your first time with us at West Bowles or first time in a long time. Let me uh, begin with the prayer and then we'll dive into these sacred texts. God, thanks for this place. Thanks for an opportunity this morning to remember what's important. To just be reminded of who you are and who we are in you. Would you speak powerfully to each of us now, God? Would you change us? Would you uh, empower us, infuse us with life and with love, God, with your Holy Spirit? Would you do what you did at Pentecost and fill this place with your Spirit? so that we can in turn bless this world and turn our, our focus and attention away from ourselves and onto the needs of those around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks to you, church, for the last couple of weeks, our, our Give One. Uh, we give a dollar every week as a church, part of our, our Power of One campaign. Last week, we gave $500 to a family. Car trouble, uh, financial trouble, trouble with the kids, right? You just name it. And so we just said, on behalf of this church, we love you. We hope that this will help. And they, they just were overwhelmed and and I wish I could share the email with you about what they said in response. And this week we have another family in need. So we're hoping, again, that you'd be able to give a dollar on your way out. Just for us to, again, love God this morning. Be reminded of who he is, who we are in him. And then for that to manifest itself in how we love others. I think others is here. Okay, yeah, I keep pointing this way. He's like, okay, where are you? But, uh, but that's our goal. That's our hope. Well, every once in a while, as you're reading through the Bible, you will stumble across several verses or commands or rules or laws, or regulations, they just don't make a lot of sense, do they? Every once in a while, you'll read a passage, and you'll find yourself, especially if you're in the book of Leviticus, just thinking, that's weird. Why would God ever say that? And what am I supposed to do with that? Let me give you a couple of examples. Leviticus 11, beginning of verse 20. All flying insects that walk on all fours are to be regarded as unclean. There are, however, some flying insects that you can eat. That's good to know. Those that have jointed legs for hopping on the ground. Oh, okay. Of these you may eat of any kind, the locusts, the crickets, the grasshoppers, but all other flying insects that have four legs. No, 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 no. So last, or three weeks ago, I guess, I, I would have been justified in drinking the crickets in the orange juice. Okay, that would have been okay with God. But if I put ladybugs in there, mm-mm. That's just weird, isn't it? That's just weird. What about Leviticus 19? Keep my decrees. Do not mate different kinds of animals. Do not plant your field with two kinds of seeds. Do not wear clothing woven of two kinds of material. So, that little garden you have in the back, <laughs> cucumbers and tomatoes, and heaven forbid, peppers too, not cool. And that shirt you have on right now, 50% polyester, maybe, I don't, 50% cotton, Take it off, okay? <laughs> We're waiting. <laughs> that, that, that's how rumors get started, right? You wouldn't ever leave it happen in West Bulls. <laughs> Leviticus 19, do not cut the hair at the side of your head or clip off the edges of your beard. Mountain men everywhere are shouting a collective hallelujah. So gentlemen, and ladies too, I guess, if that's your thing, um, <laughs> You cannot shave your face. And then there's Leviticus 15. Speaking of the ladies, all about PMS, I won't go into the details. Uh, but basically, 
in addition to your attitude changing during that time of the month, uh, so will your sitting habits. Go read Leviticus 15 if you're very interested. But, but, but that's weird, right? They're just odd. And you read those passages, you just think, what in the world are you talking about, Lord? And like the hairstyles of the 70s or the outfits in the 80s, um, most of us are glad that those rules and regulations have come and gone. Right? We are very glad those are no longer in fashion and no longer a trend. Most of us are not upset in the least by the fact that those things we read in Leviticus or other strange things we read about in the rest of the scripture, that they no longer apply to us. We are glad that the change in culture or the change in century or the change in the covenant relationship that we have with God makes those things outdated, obsolete, and really out of touch with reality. But if we're not careful, we can start to apply that same way of thinking, that same rationale to other things that were never meant to be thrown out but were always meant to be lived out. See, if you're not careful, you can disregard certain things as irrelevant or outdated when nothing could be further from the truth. Okay, bugs, beards, and bleeding women. We'll call them the three Bs. It doesn't really matter to us anymore. We don't need to spend much time thinking or praying about those things. But if you're not careful, you might think that what happens with the three Bs also happens with these. Carrying a cross. Dying to yourself. Giving sacrificially. Loving your enemies. Right, you can skirt around these issues because you can more or less just apply the same reasoning and the same rationale that you do with the three Bs. Oh, that was important back then. Oh, that, that's what mattered to believers and God followers back then. Oh, that, that's what God asked his people to do back then. Give away your money, deny yourself, drink a cup of suffering and sacrifice and service like Nathan talked about. I'm so glad that was back in the Old Testament or back in the first century. Thanks for grace. Thanks, I don't have to deal with these things anymore. Now, let me say this as clearly as I can. God has definitely given his people teachings and truths that are culturally specific and that are meant to apply at a certain point in time. You with me there? But he's also given his people teachings and truths that apply in every culture and that are meant to be applied for all time. So there are some that are culturally specific, one point in time. There are some that transcend all cultures and meant for all time. And see, sometimes we get those mixed up, don't we? Carry a cross. I don't have to do that anymore. That's old school. That's outdated. That's out of touch. No, no, no. The three Bs are, but these other things are not. And nowhere do we see that more profound than as it pertains to persecution. See, it's a word we don't really talk much about, and that's funny because Jesus talked about it all the time. He talked about his people, his disciples, his followers, his church going through hell on earth because they were so committed to bring heaven to earth. He didn't beat around the bush at all. You will experience hell on earth if you are committed to bringing heaven to earth. Mistreatment, beatings, abuse, hatred, attack. He talked about it all the time. Let me show you. Matthew 5.10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom in heaven. And in fact, the language here in the Beatitudes is lucky you. You're so lucky. You ever gone to a birthday party, right, where somebody got like the best present ever? Like that Jeep that like, you know, it was just totally cool. Lucky. You lucky. That's what Jesus is saying. You experience persecution, you're so lucky. 
different than we think about it. Or how about Matthew 10? I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes, as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You'll be handed over to local councils. You'll be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you'll be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. When they arrest you, don't worry about what you're going to say or how you're going to say it. At that time, you'll be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. You'll be hated by everyone, Jesus said, because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Matthew 24, then you will be handed over to be persecuted, even put to death. You'll be hated by all nations because of me, he says. Luke 6, blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day. Leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. John 15, if the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me. If you belonged to the world, it would love you and it would embrace you. But you don't belong to the world because I have chosen you. I have embraced you. That's why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, a servant's not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, which they did, they will most certainly persecute you also. And then John 16, In this world, only a few will have trouble every now and again. No, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. It's fascinating. Jesus is constantly talking about, preaching about, praying about persecution, hatred, the mistreatment of his people. So why don't we why don't we talk a lot about it? Well, I think it's because of what happens with the three Bs. I think when it comes to bugs and beards and bleeding women, we assume that doesn't apply to us anymore, and we just chalk up persecution and hatred and the mistreatment of Christians as the same thing. It doesn't apply to us anymore. That really was a first century problem. No, 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 church. It is the greatest problem facing the church in the 21st century. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but today is actually the International Day of Prayer for the persecuted church. That's a mouthful, isn't it? I-D-O-P for short. And so today, millions of Christians across the globe are praying for one another, and, and specifically, they're praying for their brothers and sisters who are experiencing the worst this world can throw at them because they proclaim and believe in a better world, another world, a different world. They're not just reading about the persecution that Christians face. They are experiencing this persecution. They don't just study the words of Jesus, the red letter words that talk about hatred and mistreatment and beatings and floggings. They actually go through it themselves. And I just thought today, especially as we're in this sacred letter text, I want to join in on that international day of prayer. I want West Bowles to be a part and to join in with millions of others as we pray for the persecuted church. Because we just don't talk a lot about this, do we? In America, we've got lots of liberties and lots of freedoms, and I love that and I appreciate that, but a lot of others don't. Now, here's, here's the thing. I'm going to ask a lot of people to come up today and to pray for us, to lead us in a prayer for different things, different people groups, and I'm so excited for you to hear their hearts and their words. But let me share with you real fast two reasons why I think it's important for us to do what we're about to do, why it's important that we join in on the International Day of Prayer. There are two reasons, and the first is this. As a church, as a, as a family of believers, but even as individuals, it is so important that we not turn a blind eye to these issues. Another way to say it, it's important that we pop our little bubble that we live in. If we're honest, we all have our little bubble, don't we? In my house is my little bubble. I get to come to the church. I love Littleton. That's a nice little bubble. Colorado's a nice little bubble. I mean, it's a nice bubble. It's a safe bubble. It's a comfortable bubble. My bubble smells nice more often than not. I love my bubble. 
And Jesus comes and he says, hey, we got to pop that bubble. You see, your focus is so here. It's just so here, and I want to expand your focus to out there. I need you to pop your bubble. You see, the world is a lot bigger than what's happening in your little world. And don't we have to remind ourselves of that every once and again? A couple years ago, the first world problems, right, videos came out, and I just loved those. It's like, my GPS took me to the wrong street. First world problem, dude. Like, my iPod ran out of juice right when I was on my three-mile walk. Run, hike, whatever you do, those who exercise. Um, Ah, first world problem. Right, these first world problems that we complain so much about. And, and Jesus says, you know what a, a help is? You know what's good in your little bubble for your little world in regard to your little problems? Is to look at the problems of others, to expand your horizon and to pop your bubble. Hebrews 13.3 says it so powerfully. Remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoner, as if you were chained with them. Goes on to say, remember those who are mistreated as if it was you yourself experiencing the mistreatment. Did you hear it? Pop. Pop the bubble. Get out of your little world. You got to start looking at the whole world. A few years ago, N.T. Wright, he's a a world-renowned Bible scholar, um, preacher, extraordinary. He came to Pepperdine, where where me and my family were doing ministry for many years. And he went to the chapel services, and he went to some Bible classes. He attended service on Sunday. And afterward, all the administrators wanted to know, what did N.T. Wright think about Pepperdine? So somebody asked him, sir, sir, what did you think of of Christianity here in this place? And he said, it's it's nice, and, and you do everything well, but you only think and talk and pray about yourself. Talk about a humbling response. But is it, it's true, isn't it? My life, my family, my needs, maybe the church, maybe Littleton, but it's really all about us. It's really only about me. And he says, you've got to expand your horizon. You've got to pop the bubble. And so I think this morning as we pray for the persecuted church, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to live out Hebrews 13. We're trying to feel and embrace and sympathize and join in, chain ourselves with those who are truly being mistreated and persecuted. And that leads me to the second reason that I want us to pray for this. Persecution is such a a major issue facing the church today, and most of us aren't even aware of it. It's hard to measure and determine these things with absolute certainty, right? Most of the deaths of Christians or the mistreatment of of Christians goes unnoticed. You don't don't have somebody marking and, and, and calculating these things. But experts believe that 200 million Christians in 60 countries and nations face violent persecution, detention, maybe even death. Now, that's a huge number, 200 million. If you're like me, you've never even counted that high. You don't even know what that number means. And so I was trying to think about this week, how would we make sense of that number? 200 million Christians would be 2,700 West Bowles churches. Imagine 2,700 churches our size filled with Christians being beaten and abused and bloodied for their faith. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of our brothers and sisters going through hell because they believe in heaven. In fact, two-thirds of the Christians across the globe, it says, lives in dangerous situations, maybe because their economic status, their minority status, or their religious status. Converts to Christianity across the globe face stonings, bombings, expulsion, death threats, being driven from villages and countries they've known their whole lives. 
You see, Christ's words about his followers being hated and mistreated and beaten and abused, they are just as real today as they were 2,000 years ago. Look at this map. In places like Iraq, Jordan, Syria, Burma, China, Egypt, Iran, Laos, North Korea, Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, Sudan, Vietnam, these countries, when you surrender your life to Christ, you are more or less giving up your life. When you decide to surrender your life to Christ, it's going to literally cost you your life. Did you hear it? Pop. Your little bubble. Pop. That's what our brothers and sisters are facing across the globe. This video from Christ in Youth powerfully portrays some of this. Watch this. Christians are the most persecuted religious group in the world at present. 100 to 200 million Christians at any one time under persecution. So it is a major human rights issue. If you care about human rights, you should care about persecution, especially persecution of Christians. These night vision images shot from an American unmanned aircraft captured the moment a bomb went off at the Church of Our Lady of Salvation. We used to have 1.2 million Christians in Iraq. Now we have probably got less than 200,000. <laughs> So I think I will die because six beside me died. They throw grenades from the door and piece of body. I baptized 13 people. 11 of them were killed the following week. I told them, God, he chose me to be Christian. I must be Christian. I will not leave my religion. And those imams were telling her that if you are not going to come back to Islam, you know you will be facing the penalty of death. Mom said, it will always be Christ. group we should care for more on this earth than the persecuted church. And people say to me, why are you not scared? And I say, because perfect love casts out all fear. It is well, it is well with my soul. Again, did you hear it? Pop. Your little bubble, my little bubble, our little bubble being expanded to see and to meet and to pray for the needs of those experiencing the worst this world has to offer. What do we do about all this stuff? What do we do uh, with the fact that so many in Christ are experiencing such hatred and persecution? Well, I think International Day of Prayer tells us we pray. We pray about it. So today I've asked three people to come and, and to pray for us. Uh, we want to lift those up who, like Nathan talked about last week, are literally drinking this cup of suffering and sacrifice and service. We want to pray that, that they would have the strength to live out a cross-centered gospel by being cross-carrying messengers. 
We pray that like Jesus, somehow their death will bring life to this world. We pray that somehow their suffering will bring peace and reconciliation. We pray the hatred and violence they're experiencing would usher in a kingdom of love. We pray that God will use their suffering to achieve a far greater glory. We pray that somehow they will forgive and love those beating and killing them. That's what we pray for. We pray. In fact, when asked, the persecuted church, uh, those in different countries, when asked what the Western world could do for them, it wasn't money, it wasn't resources, it was prayer. Please, they said, please just pray for us. So I've asked three to come up this morning and, uh, and to pray. Would you guys come up this morning, those who I've asked, the microphone here on the far right is the one that we'll be using. Uh, come on up and share with us uh, some of your heart and some of your words, some prayers for our Christian brothers and sisters experiencing some of the worst persecution ever. Asiya Bibi, mother of five, now sits on death row in Pakistan for her Christian faith. She said, I've been locked up handcuffed and chained, banished from the world and waiting to die. I don't know how long I've got to live. My life is in God's hands. Dear Lord, we lift up Asya Bibi mm. and other Christian families in Pakistan and in many other countries who are and have been persecuted for their faith. Pray that they would know the love and the hope God gives we pray that out of your glorious riches, you may strengthen them with power through your Holy Spirit. We pray for believers who have been rejected by their family and friends, that you would surround them with a new Christian family who would love them and support them emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Pray that they would not lose heart and stay strong in their faith. Pray that many others would come to know you as a result of their strong faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Heavenly Father, all around the world, people, Christians are dying for their faith in you. People who love you, people who walk with you, and evil around the world seeks to wipe them out, snuff them out. They put them in jails, they beat them, torture them, they rape them, murder them. And you, in all those things, still promise that you would be with them. Lord, even though the gates of hell would come against your church and those who love you, we pray, Father, that you would continue to stand with your church, that you would lift them up, that you would comfort those who serve you, that you would comfort those in prison and are beaten and are tortured, and that you would stand strong with them, Lord, and that they would stand with you even to their very death. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for helping us to remember those who are suffering for Christ around the world. Specifically, I'd like to lift up Aline, who is a house church pastor imprisoned in Western China. 
He is a Uyghur um, person who converted to Christianity and because of his faith and because of his um, political standing, he's been sentenced to 15 years. Uh, he's separated from his, his wife, Golna, and his son. He is just one of many around the world who um, are literally locked away uh, for their faith. It's hard for us to understand that, uh, given the freedoms that we have in this country. But Lord, uh, I pray that uh, you would comfort him, specifically his wife and son, and you would help us to um, have our bubbles popped um, routinely so that we might remember our brothers and sisters as though we were there with them. Um, thank you for today and the reminder uh, to care about not just ourselves, but those um, out in the world. Amen. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for the blessings that we have here in America. Lord, we know it's not that way everywhere. And we think of those that are across the borders and across the oceans and around the world. We want to pray for the pastors and the missionaries out there that are taking care of their congregations, Lord, and striving to do their best. And we know that they're living in conditions, Lord, that we many times can't imagine. They have pallet shacks and dirt floors. They know hunger and they know cold. And Lord, we pray that you would come alongside them and support them and protect them, be with them in a way that uh, only you can. And Lord, at the same time, we pray that you would lay on our hearts the piece of the puzzle that we can do something about. The problem is massive. And Lord, we know that uh, sometimes it seems overwhelming from my perspective. And I just pray that you would show me, show us what we can do, what's in front of us, how it is that we can make a difference. Help us to put boots on the ground and take action in our faith. And Lord, I thank you for the West Bulls members, those who have made connections with our friends down in Mexico. Lord, I thank you for the opportunities to pack Christmas boxes and to bring blankets for the orphanage. And Lord, I pray that you would fan the flame for that mission and for other missions that we can go to and be a part of. We know that who much is given, much is expected. In Jesus' name. You know, some pops are, are bad, right? Pop of a balloon, especially if your kid has it. Uh, the pop of your knee. Any kind of pop in your car. Some pops are bad. But other pops, like the one of our little bubble, is so good and so thankful to these uh, kind of helping us to do that this morning. I've also asked a few to come up. Why don't you do that now? Uh, my other three or four prayer warriors. I, wanna, I want them to come and pray for uh, persecution that we face here in the States. Because see, if you're going to stand up for Christ, if you're going to stand out for Christ, Jesus promises this is going to happen to you. People are going to misunderstand you, mistreat you. They're going to abuse you and take advantage of you. And even though we have lots of freedoms, lots of liberties, again, Jesus said, if you're standing up against this kingdom, ushering in a different kingdom, if you're saying there's a better world, another world, chances are this world won't like that so much. And so, um, you know, when we illuminate the darkness, when we speak out against the things that we see going wrong, when we repent and humble ourselves and ask the country to do the same with us, uh, when we say there's a different allegiance and a greater kingdom, 
Chances are people aren't going to like that so much, especially if you fall into three groups. I think there's three groups of people in the States that experience tremendous persecution. The first is this young group right over here, our students. I think uh, in, in a um, hormone-filled and achievement-based high school setting, it's hard to be a Christian in that setting. And then you move into college, or maybe you have the teachings of an atheist professor or the temptations of an attractive person. There's all kinds of easy ways, right, to fall away, to give in, to stumble. And so, young people, I just want to pray for you. I am so proud of you for trying to be a Christian, for trying to be the light in a dark place, for trying to be salt in a place that is sick and that is tasteless. I just want you to stay at it, stay with it. You're bringing life to your classmates, to your schools. I know it's hard. So we want to pray for you this morning. We've asked David to do that. We also want to pray for those in the marketplace. Right? The marketplace is kind of how you go out and, and you do business. Those who are making money. And you see, if your world is all about either the bottom line or getting to the top of the ladder, chances are it's going to be hard to follow Christ in that setting. Right? We're speaking against a kingdom that's all about uh, covetousness and personal debt, consumption, materialism. That's going to be hard to do. And some of you, tomorrow morning, even tonight, as you're on call, are going to have to deal with this world that stands in juxtaposition to the teachings of Christ. And we want to pray for you, that you'd be a Christian in the marketplace. And then there's the American church. Oh, she's so powerful. She's so beautiful, yet she's kind of fallen asleep. She's become consumed with things that don't really matter, like numerical growth or bigger buildings or increasing our quality of life when we've been called to help bring others life. I'm not, I'm not sure if the seats aren't that comfortable for you, if the worship style is not doing it for you. Well, it doesn't really matter. It's not about what we are doing or how much we're enjoying it. It's about how much we're serving and helping others. And see, the American church has lost her way. And she's experiencing persecution because she's calling others to be like Christ when she herself isn't doing a great job of it. And so we've asked these three to lead us in a time of prayer for these things. Let's do it now. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you uh, so much for another day of life. Um, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross for Jesus. Just pray in our spirit that you, um, that you guide our, our teens um, here in this church and, and here in this country. Um, you know how, how hard it is to go in there and, and um, just proclaim, proclaim their faith. Um, pray that you just give them a peace, give them a confidence about themselves, that as they go in there that they may share your love with everyone. Um, we pray that, that you just capture their heart um, and, and take hold of it that they may just keep falling madly and madly in love with you, um, and that they may show that love to other people as well. I pray that uh, they do your will and not theirs, um, that they bring your kingdom on earth and not theirs. We worship you and praise you, Lord, for who you are and for what you're going to do through them. In Jesus' name. Father, we pray for your church and the places where we work. In our own congregation, we have followers whose bosses have vowed to eliminate any trace of Christianity from their companies. We pray for your people in these places. Protect your workers from people who don't share our views or people who don't understand. Protect your workers from harsh treatment, negative influence, or wasting a single hour of any day. We pray for those who are searching for a job and direction in their careers. As we head to the polls on Tuesday, we thank you so much for our nation and the freedom to choose. We pray for discernment and wisdom and the issues we'll decide. We pray for those dedicated men and women in our government who will be elected and whose work and job it is to lead. We pray that your church might be salt and light in a global marketplace that is increasingly linked and where issues seem increasingly complicated. We pray that your workers would be tenacious in their effort, ethical in their conduct, demanding in their standards, and that they would be your love in the people they serve as working for you, not for men.
Thomas has asked me to pray about the big three gods of our age, sex, success, and stuff. Lord, thank you for your gift of sex. Help us know in our hearts, sex isn't about sex. It's about who is Lord of our lives. Help us make you Lord in this area. The world believes a lie. It calls freedom leading a sexually promiscuous life. That is really bondage. Help us desire to live in true freedom, which is obeying you. On many college campuses, they have sex week for the purpose of promoting promiscuity. Some in our world will use any way they can to push to redefine your definition of marriage. Help us never compromise your word. We ask for wisdom and courage to stand against these things in love. Lord, in our culture, success is often defined by how much money or stuff we have. You said no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other. You cannot serve God and money. In the necessary pursuit of money, it can become our master. Lord, help us submit to your lordship in the area of money. Whenever we purchase anything, large or small, help us pray and ask you, Lord, is it okay for me to have this? Lord, help us desire to be rich toward you more than we desire to be rich in money. You said a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Therefore, set us free from greed and clinging to what we have, and set us free to give generously. For these areas, Lord, sex, success, and stuff, we do not need more insight but strength and grace to obey what we already know is right. And Lord, we also lift up the church in America. And Lord, I pray indeed you would wake her up. I pray all of our bubbles will be popped. I pray that we would intentionally go to the internet and look at sites that could educate us about what is happening to the persecuted church. Lord, our media will not show any of it. They're kind of anti-Christianity, so they're going to bury it. Lord, we have to be intentional to find out what's going on. And then just like that verse in Hebrews said, I pray we would care enough to pray as if we were in prison with them, that we were the ones who are also being killed, because, Lord, the same people that are killing them want to kill us. Help us to really know that and to pray for those people. Lord, I pray those of us who have prayer journals would write number one in the prayer journal, that we need to pray for these people daily. Lord, I pray that even though we have first world problems in America, and Lord, we also have really difficult problems here. We have uh, health problems or money problems, whatever. But Lord, these problems are, they do pale compared to a person coming to your door to kill you. And so Lord, I pray that even though we get caught up in our own worlds, that we wouldn't stay there in our own worlds, that we would reach out, that we would um, just pray, Lord, that you would touch and help all those people who are being persecuted. Help us not forget, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, uh, bugs and beards and bleeding women. Yeah, those are a thing of the past. The persecution and the mistreatment of Christians is not. And so I just encourage you this week, pray. We put a little insert in your bulletin on how to maybe pray for the persecuted church. That's something new for you, as well as some resources that were, that were mentioned. Check those out. Uh, join their campaigns. Buy their stuff. Watch their videos. Share it in social media. Let's get the word out about what's really going on in this world. Let me pray for us, and we'll stand and sing one final song together. God, we...
Thank you that you're a God of hope and that you're a God that can use evil against itself to achieve good. And when we doubt that, Father, help us just to look to Jesus. Help us to remember that even though he went through hell because he was trying to bring in heaven, he accomplished his goal. That even when it looked as if he had lost, even when it looked like the enemy had overcome him, even when it looks like the ways of this world and the darkness of this world had overtaken him, the opposite was true. You were working in mysterious and, and mystical ways behind the scenes in the darkness to bring about its destruction. We pray the same will be true in our world. Would you strengthen our brothers and sisters, those that we don't know, but that whom, whom we love, would you strengthen them to be like Jesus, to stand firm in their faith and to usher in a better place, a different place, a completely new place. Uh, please make it so. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand and sing this song, whether it applies to us, whether we sing it for those who are most in need. Let's sing, cling to the cross.